Religious Sanity episode 47. And Back with uh, Pastor Andrew. Let us talk about uh, that rush to reopen mega churches. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I think that uh, there, there is more to it from the theological or maybe anthropological uh, or psychological uh, perspective than meets the eye. Mm. Uh, I don't think that it is the only that the only reason for that is uh, just uh, because people really politics. want to pray. I, I think that that's definitely there. You know, we are getting bored in in our homes and 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 so on. We so much long for return to back old tracks uh, and uh, uh, idealize how it was before uh, the pandemic and, and, and so on and so forth. So that's definitely there. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think that there are also some underlying reasons for that, why uh, evangelicals specifically were pushing president and president was so happy to oblige yeah. uh, and, and, and so on. That, that's the politics of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Behind that is something I, I sense there quite clearly, and that is that when you think about evangelicals and especially uh, their most uh, dominant feature or presence in, in America as megachurches, then you might start understanding why they want to reopen so much. Because megachurches, they have it directly in their name that they are about big crowds. Yeah. Uh, and that's their characteristic feature. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have those crowds, then you don't have megachurch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, regular churches like uh, our Rutgers Church or uh, many other mainline churches uh, happily transferred, or not so happily, but you know, with glitches and uh, difficulties here and there. But we transferred to electronic way of doing worship, and you know, some do that on Facebook Live, and others do that. Uh, with a Zoom and other churches are doing it uh, over the live stream and our church actually does that over Zoom and then broadcast that over live stream. So, uh, you, you know, like covering several bases yeah. uh, uh, and all of that. But uh, mega church would not feel like that. Right. Because for mega church, uh, theology is not really the main attractant yeah what attracts people to mega churches that's not what uh, draws them there i think uh, liturgy hardly yeah uh, maybe the style of music they have you know those different praise bands and whether it is of this style or that style or uh, right. <laughs> you know is it more folk or is it more country or is it more rock or right. uh, you know so that might uh, be like a dividing factor but the main feature there is that there are these big crowds of people together worshiping and uh if they don't have it, the feel for worship, is, for at least for them, is gone. Right. 
uh, so and that's, that's the question though then what is that feel uh-huh and 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 what is it that 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 is doing to people yeah and yeah. is that really spiritual food I would not exclude that completely but I would hear a writer speak about psychology mm. which works with the psyche and and spiritual kind of dimension mm -hmm. of human beings uh, I think it is more down to earth it's it's more psychological it's more uh, like uh wired into who we are as uh human beings as species uh we touched upon it, if you remember, a number of episodes ago when we talked about insecurities of uh, monotheism. Yes. That, that was like an core issues where we were talking, you know, that yes. uh, uh, th this feeling being part of something larger is for them answering the insecurity of their faith. Yes. And so they have it as a validation, you know, here we are, uh, you, you know, and how, how monotheistic religions tend to validate themselves by their missionary success. Yeah. Uh, now I would take it a little further, uh, more towards the superficial. I, I think that this is really an underlying uh, factor for missionary religions, uh, you know, that they are finding validation of themselves in being effective and successful in attracting new uh, converts, new members, yeah. or uh, that is beneath it without doubt. Because yeah. there are other religions who don't want to convert other people, who are protecting their faith, their rituals, their practices, their myths as uh, family silver. Mm -hmm. They would not, they would occasionally perhaps, and to some degree show it to others, but otherwise that's ours and we are not mm -hmm. going to share it. So that, that's that completely different take on, on, on religion. But uh, here we are with missionary religions and they find validation uh, in, in being successful in uh, converting and attracting uh, large groups of people. But uh, I think that he, with mega churches, something else is playing a role and that's the psychology of crowd. Mm -hmm. psychology of gr large groups of people uh, you know we are coming to Pentecost and the Pentecost is classical example of it in the Bible where you have disciples together and they are uh, hit by the flames of Holy Spirit and suddenly they speak in another languages uh, you know is it glossolalia or are those uh, different languages really uh, which are understood uh, it's it's questionable one way or the other I, I think that uh, Luke is here trying to make it a little bit more uh, rational <laughs> mm -hmm. but this ability to understand each other without actually being able to speak different languages shows some signs of this uh, higher uh, psychological functioning here that they are part of something bigger and that kind of feeling is present there and that is coming with crowds crowds uh, or large groups of people definitely function differently than 
collection of individuals. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you, you probably had that kind of experience yourself. You know, you mm-hmm. go to a concert yeah. and you know, when you are in the concert hall and, and you are there with um, a hundred or uh, several hundreds of, of fans of that band or of that musician, suddenly it feels more profound. Mm-hmm. Or in sport events, or uh, demonstrations, for that matter of fact, uh, is are are of a similar kind. There we are part of the larger body of uh, people. Uh, we are giving up our individuality to some degree, which might feel for introverts or intellectual people a little scary proposal. But then uh, we still uh, have that kind of, on the other hand, um, benefits which are coming with it. Mm-hmm. So you give up something and you receive something. And that the receive is being part of something larger. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, you, the crowds, uh, large groups have uh, different personality. Uh, it's it's difficult to put your finger on. There yeah. are different anthropological and uh, psychological schools. They have different lingos about it, uh, uh, like collective subconsciousness, yeah, <laughs> you know, or collective archetypes, <laughs> uh, sharing them, uh, and and in those large groups, they they come a little bit more to the surface. Uh, because there are these uh, boundaries are somehow individual in individuals are crumbling and and these uh, archetypes say, you know or uh, group prejudices we could call mm-hmm. it also uh, can come to the surface more easily uh, so there is a different dynamics with it mm-hmm. and uh, it is very empowering Oh, that's why people go to sporting events rather than watch them on a TV. And even yeah. on, in t- uh, on TV, when you watch it uh, from your living room, uh, you, you have that kind of uh, uh, buzz yeah. <laughs> of, you know, rooting for your team. And, and you see other people rooting uh, for your team, at least on the TV. Uh, yeah. Or you can hear your neighbors cheering together with you, yeah. you know, or... Uh, you know, sighing when something does not go well. <laughs> right. Well, well we're, we, we might be able to see what it will be like to watch a sporting event without the audience in the stands. And that will be a very interesting thing because that will be, that will be an experience where you can't watch people yeah. watching the event. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how will that be for, for you psychologically? You can still hear, for instance, when you have uh, Super Bowl, for instance, I can hear all of our neighbors. I'm not a big (laughs) fan of American football, as you know, but, uh, you you know, even in as brainy and weird places, New York City, you can still hear all your neighbors. And on the street, yelling from bars. And you can can feel, uh, you know, who is rooting for whom and and these kind of things. But now imagine that there are people clearly who are more like open and disposed towards this kind of uh, uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. And then there are others who are simply built uh, psychologically, their personalities are not too much towards this. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and uh, I, I, I would say that those who are drawn into these experiences, they tend to go to them regularly. Sporting events, uh, theaters, mega churches, uh, I think the whole culture. And Americans are like tuned more towards that. Uh, and uh, now imagine that since the pandemic started, there has been very little, if anything, of this kind. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. And so these people have to feel very deeply deprived, uh, deprivated is yeah. the, 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 the term uh, in, in psychology even. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it creates this uh, pressure within them, the mm -hmm. longing for uh, that fulfillment of this experience, mm -hmm. which they are now not having. And, mm -hmm. uh, that they long for it so much that uh, they are willing to risk whatever it takes, uh, yeah. almost. Uh, and uh, it's, it's dangerous. So this is the psychological background of it. Of course, it comes with benefits, I would guess, even though I'm not a person to <laughs> comment on those, and, and dangers. Because, you know, you have rowdies, uh, with the sporting events and and you can have uh, serious disturbances going with it uh, uh, you have uh, so that's the sporting events uh, if you have a political rallies for instance that can create uh, its own environment and dynamics which can be quite dangerous especially if you have skillful demagogues uh, manipulating mm -hmm. it and uh, if they know what they are doing and um, that that in European tradition where I am coming from that is always uh, like red flags immediately when you have a big rallies uh, where where people are starting to chant the same things and and, and so on and uh, um, and and you have skillful demagogues uh, around it um, that immediately brings red flags uh, all over the place. Uh, I, 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 that, that is my probably bias uh, coming from Europe, uh, from the history of, of Nazism and fascism, uh, which very skillfully used uh, demagoguery uh, mm -hmm. with large crowds, mm -hmm. uh, Nuremberg, uh, rallies of Nazis are famous, films were made about it. Uh, so um, then I, I simply don't like those uh, political conferences uh, nominating uh, candidates for the presidency, for instance, yeah. because that feels so wrong. It's so orchestrated. It's so clacka kind of clackish. Is it the rule? Click, clickish? Clickish. Yeah. You know, like paid uh paid uh, applauses uh, <laughs> yes. you know almost and 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 cute uh, through the yeah. screens you don't see if you are watching it uh, through uh, if you are watching it through uh, your own home TV you don't see mm -hmm. that you know the, the local people who are there they are cute 
professionally, you know, where to clap and to cheer, what to cheer, you know, and these kind of things. It's, it's, uh, it's too much and it's too uh, engineered. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when you realize that very often for these kind of events, the political discourse and everything is being dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. And mm -hmm. interestingly, that was an, um, uh, returning back to Nazism, sorry for doing it, but that was the textbook, uh, you know, rule for them. Yeah. You know, they had a rules, uh, appeal to masses, target emotions, mm -hmm. keep your message simple <laughs> and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. So, uh, and never make any kind of half statements. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is outlandish, even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, then there is uh, that kind of... Uh, Probably a decency level, what what different speakers would be willing to to do and how far they would go, and that that makes me just kind of <laughs> very very uneasy yeah. uh, about these kind of uh, events. Uh, I, I I simply cannot watch our current president's rallies, for instance, yeah. and and now he is deprived of it, you know, so uh, right. the thing, what we were just talking about, he, he definitely draws uh, energy from it. And, and the, and the audience, there'll be definitely a large overlap between those presidential rallies uh, and megachurch uh, events or megachurch membership simply by the psychological makeup as we talked about mm -hmm. it you know uh, the, there is certain proclivity in in people uh, who seek and like this uh, validation and confirmation in large crowds who are energized by it, who find it fulfilling and confirming mm -hmm. that they are on the right track of their life, you know, and we share this together. And yes. he, you know, it's very simplistic. It's almost animal. Mm -hmm. behind it uh, and so that is what draws people into those mega churches and that is what draws them into events like uh, political rallies and um, you know I, I went to demonstrations when we were demonstrating for healthcare and other things but for me it was almost like a sacrifice mm. <laughs> you know and I think so many people other people uh, uh, felt like that but we knew that we had to do it mm -hmm. and so we sacrificed our individuality <laughs> so right, right. we went for those rallies or for those demonstrations but there are some people for whom it is really fulfilling who right. are willing to wait for I don't know how long they, they are waiting for those rallies or uh, to, to, to just go in uh, so um, I, I think that this is uh, that psychological or anthropological uh, background of this longing for reopening these big events, yes. uh, these uh, mega rallies, uh, these because they cannot, uh, they cannot uh, think of their faith 
as uh, you know a faith of their own. Right. So that brings up this question: during this time where they cannot get together and experience what you're describing, mm-hmm. during this time they're basically left with their own personal religion, and they, and they can't stand that. <laughs> It's almost like it's not, it's almost like a torturous thing. It's almost like if you g- gave it, them silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, he, that they wouldn't, they don't even recognize that as a religion. Right, right. You know, or faith. Uh, because for them, faith is, you know, you know we are here cr- cr- clearly, seriously simplifying. Of course, no one is either or. Right. Uh, there, There is a scale of grays or a whole spectrum mm-hmm. of colors in the rainbow. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong. Right. But if you are more towards these uh, mega churches and you feel fulfilled by those experiences there and, and so on and so forth, then uh, going into an closure in a monastery for a week of quietness and meditation does not feel like a religion. It'll be almost like a torture. Yes. And uh, so, and and then they now feel, I, 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 I really don't know because I am not one of those. I'm trying now to kind of think out loud with you, you know, what might be there feelings, uh, definitely deep dissatisfaction, being uh, anger might be the substantial part of it and we see it being acted out uh, on streets, Uh, you know, when they are demanding reopening and and other things because for, for them that they can hardly imagine any other life, but uh, there might be a positive part to it also. Uh, And for for everyone of us, uh, for us to think about it and and try to understand uh, people like I'm describing, uh, which is kind of weird, (laughs) but uh, and, and for them, if there is enough perseverance and uh, time, they can actually discover some other aspects of yes. faith. Yes. And let us hope for that, you know, yes. that there'll be, an, at least among some of them, and recognition that uh, faith can be lived on your own or with your family only. Yeah. Uh, that it can have an... And there are certain aspects in that... Uh, uh, in that faith tradition also, because they would have those uh, like small groups where they gather for, so so there right. there is that compensation, but the main drive I, I would bet is, yeah. is, is really those large groups there. Yeah. No, not uh, those uh, uh, family Bible classes or uh, small groups in homes and, and, and so on. Uh, that can sustain only for a certain time. Yeah. But for over the time, for some, it might click in, lead into a little deeper layers uh, of, of faith, perhaps. And uh, so I would not rush into reopening for many different reasons. Yeah. Uh, for definitely for epidemiological reasons, but also for... Uh, 
for spiritual and psychological reasons because in in psychology and in spirituality you cannot get deeper better insight and illumination without experiencing some levels of discomfort mm. And so, you know, exposing ourselves to these uh, levels of discomfort might, uh, might be, in the end, beneficial for our spiritual and psychological well-being. And that's a nice way to end and let us think about that really hard. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you.